This is Illinois in Focus for Illinois News Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll get commentary in our crosstalk segment from Illinois News Network publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about pension reform, the proposed gas tax increase, the future of cannabis legalization, and more. But first, here are some of the top stories from the past week. Governor Bruce Rauner revealed he sought out others to run in his place after a narrow primary election victory. Rauner made the big reveal in an exclusive interview with ABC7 Chicago. And I said, I'll step aside. I'll give you huge financial resources. You run for governor. I'll support you. You have as good or better chance to get elected than me. All four of them said no. Too tough, too unlikely, too difficult. One of those he sought reportedly was former state Senator Karen McConaughey. ABC7 also reported another possible candidate was Cubs part owner Todd Ricketts. Rauner beat State Representative Jeannie Ives in the March primary by only 2.8%. Ives tells Illinois News Network she was not one of the four people Rauner asked to replace him after the primary. Reacting to the revelation, Ives said it was obvious Rauner wasn't serious about re-election. She's calling for Republican leadership to resign amid the revelations. Rauner sought others to run in his place. She said that it should be a wake-up call to other Republicans who stood by while Rauner lied about her record during the primary. Rauner also told the TV station that he thought the election of Trump made his chances of re-election low. When President Trump won the White House but lost Illinois by more than 16 points, I think 16 to 17 points, that changed the dynamic from good chance of re-election to very, very difficult chance for re-election. Rauner said he would have done better if someone else took the White House. I personally believe that uh, if... uh, um, Senator Clinton uh, had won the White House. I think the odds of us have being winning re-election would have been dramatically higher. Rauner hands over the keys to the executive office to Pritzker one month from now. He said in his final month in office, he'll cut down any clemency backlog and issue several reports. The tab for the state's unfunded pension liabilities increased by $4.4 billion in the past year and is expected to continue growing through 2028, according to a new report from Bipartisan Government Forecasting and Accountability. In the COGFA report, pegs Illinois' unfunded liability at $133.5 billion. That's $4.4 billion more than the year before. In 2009, the unfunded liability was $77.8 billion. Truth and Accounting Research Director Bill Bergman said the unfunded liability has been rising significantly. Despite the fact that we've had a huge rally in the stock market, at least up until recent weeks, <laughs> and, and that's the warning sign. Bergman said in the longer-term market downturn could make things worse, especially with the state's pension funds invested in what Bergman characterized as risky investments like special equities. We've learned in recent weeks that stocks can go down as well as up. And um, you and I as taxpayers, even if we don't own stocks, are, are in the market and on the downside because the benefits are guaranteed. COGFA projects taxpayer contribution to the state's five pension funds will be $19.2 billion in 2045, Total state employee contributions then will be $2.8 billion. Bergman said there's a difference of opinion whether they're growing unfunded liabilities because of a lack of state funding or unaffordable benefits. But it's a combination of both of those things. And the, uh, the reckoning day is, is coming. Democratic State Senator Tom Cullerton blamed previous policymakers for kicking the can down the road. Definitely staggering. It's something we're going to have to look at. The General Assembly Retirement System for Retired Lawmakers is at the bottom of the pack at only 15.3% funded. COGFA projects taxpayers next year will put in $25.8 million, while participating lawmakers will put in only $1.2 million. 
Cullerton doesn't participate and advocated the General Assembly retirement system be scrapped. In his final months in office, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel criticized Illinois' retiree benefits, saying the automatic 3% pay bumps each year are raises and not cost-of-living adjustments. He echoed Governor Bruce Rauner's call to amend the state constitution to eliminate the clause protecting pensions. Rauner said it's too little too late. Cole Lauterbach has the story. In a speech before the Chicago City Council on Wednesday, Emanuel said the cost of living adjustment, or COLA, was designed so pensions won't lose value in the face of inflation. In many of Illinois' public pension agreements, retirees receive a 3% automatic annual increase. Emanuel says that's not fair to current workers who are taking furlough days due to tight budgets. A cost of living adjustment is to help retirees not lose the value of their paycheck, a retirement check, to keep up with inflation. If inflation is zero and you're getting 3% compounded annually, it is not a COLA. If it looks like a pay raise, performs like a pay raise, and results in a pay raise, it's a pay raise. It is not a COLA. Cost of living adjustment. It just isn't. And I really think it's fundamentally wrong to allow retirees to get a 3% annual compounded increase Zero, basically zero inflation. And I know this from my Obama years. There was arguments about whether we were facing a deflation period. And then workers are taking minimum pay raises or furloughs in their effort. There's nothing progressive. Nobody in any journal could argue that's progressive. It's not right. And I don't, I believe in progressive principles, not on things just on taxes. I believe it on the whole system, so it's based on equity and fairness. He says lawmakers must change the state's constitution to allow for reductions to pension benefits. Governor Bruce Rauner proposed the same change as Emanuel's now touting. Rauner says Emanuel's support was needed years ago. Uh, well, I think it's appropriate for an elected official to comment on uh, public policy that uh, could impact um, the citizens under his jurisdiction. Uh, I wish the mayor had been active pushing on uh, reforms that he's been discussing today over the last four and eight years um, on the, with the decibel level that it's experiencing now. That would have actually been helpful. Chicago's next pension payment will be more than $1 billion. I'm Cole Lauterbach. And accounting for 21% of the state's average consumer bill, the Nonpartisan Tax Foundation says Illinois surpassed Washington State to charge the highest cell phone taxes in the country. Tax Foundation spokesman John Buell said Illinois' tax rates on cell phone service is almost like a sin tax when tacking on federal taxes. The total is over 27 percent. Taxes should be broad-based and low rates, so they should apply to everything equally at, at as low a rate as possible. And so this is kind of the opposite of that. So the question is, why should phones be taxed at such a higher rate than anything else that we buy? It he said such taxes on what's become an essential part of life has a disproportionate effect on poor people. Um, about two-thirds of lower-income adults uh, rely on mobile phones in particular for their phone service, so it's really the main way that they communicate. Beal said as landlines become more a part of the past, the high tax rates on cell phone service is pushed higher because each layer of Illinois government's getting a piece. There can be county taxes, it can be local taxes for a variety of different reasons. Um, Chicago's the worst offender, Buell said, where the effective tax rate's 41%. He said Illinois' local governments should be mindful of the impacts of high taxes. Lawmakers should kind of take a step back the next time they're thinking of adding another, you know, 
few few percentage point fee here, another tax there on wireless services. They should really think about what the big picture looks like, and instead, um, you know, find fi- find more fair ways to raise the revenue. Illinois' average cell tax, the highest in the country at 27.6% of the average consumer's phone bill, a full 1.5% higher than second place Alaska and Washington. Those are the top stories of the week. Find more online at ilnews.org. Coming up for Illinois Focus, commentary from INN publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb for our Crosstalk segment. This is Illinois Focus. For Illinois News Network, I'm Greg Bishop. This is Chris Krug, publisher of the Illinois News Network. Welcome to Illinois News Network's Illinois in Focus Crosstalk segment, where we talk about the news behind the news, offer a little bit of opinion and insight. I'm fortunate again this week to be joined by executive editor Dan McCaleb. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Got my Santa hat on, getting into the spirit of the season, ready to go. Oh, that's good. That's good. Merry Christmas, Dan. Merry Christmas. So, hey, you know, at this time of the year, there's a tendency for the news to slow down. Uh, I think it's sort of an endemic in the news industry and, you know, especially in local newsrooms and in local news reporting. You know, things start to kind of get into that Christmas spirit, into that sort of a holiday season where maybe there's just a little less activity. Not the case this year. We've got a bunch of things to talk about, and I think we have a pretty dynamic set of uh, conversations to have today. And let's start with what I think is probably the, the biggest news story, maybe of the year coming out of Chicago with regard to taxation anyway, um, and, and certainly pensions and pension reform. And, and lo and behold, we have a pension reform advocate who is in the mayor's office in Chicago. Rahm Emanuel this week said he thinks that we need reform on a local level you know, for people in the city of Chicago and certainly in Cook County. But uh, statewide. So kind of a surprising turn of events, Dan. It's nice to have um, someone of Rahm Emanuel's stature to finally come out and say they support um, significant pension reform. My question for the the mayor is where was that eight years ago? Where was that four years ago? Um, You're on your way out. Uh, your your stature certainly is diminishing as you'll no, no longer be an elected official in uh, in Chicago or the state of Illinois. Uh, we we could have used that uh, uh, several years ago. We've been it's not like we haven't been talking about pension reform for for more than a decade. It's absolutely needed. He finally came out and he didn't just call for pension reform. He called for a change to the state's constitution to end the diminishment clause, um, which essentially the state supreme court says lawmakers. It's unconstitutional to diminish um, a public employee's pension. 
Um, and I agree with that. I'm glad he's on board. Just wish he would have done it a little bit earlier. What say yeah, you? Yeah. So I think he's left this for, for the people that follow him or the, the person who specifically follows him in the mayor's office to deal with. And, and certainly the new administration, Governor-elect Pritzker, and uh, in his operation to take on. And, and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. If this, this is not a 2018 issue. This is an issue that's manifesting itself in a significant way in the state of Illinois in 2018 and the future. But this is not it's not as if this is something that simply sneaked up on uh, on the mayor or those you know, who have been elected and, and, and have some say in the way that uh, that benefits are administered, uh, not only in Chicago, but across the state of Illinois, because um, this ha- this is this has reached an epidemic proportion now. Estimates at $132 billion of unfunded pension liability at the state level. Uh, I have a difficult time viewing this as, uh, as uh, anything other than uh, a way for him to position himself away from this problem. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Pension reform is not easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a fight. You've got um, you know, public employee unions fighting against a tooth and nail. Of course, they're major donors, particularly the Democratic candidates. So it's not going to be easy. On his way out the door, it is easy for him to say this. He's essentially, it's essentially a cop-out for him. He knew, he, you can't tell me he didn't know two, four, six, eight years ago that pension, significant pension reform was needed. Now that he's no longer going to be mayor, yeah. Yeah, and and speaking of mayors, I mean, you know, the the other thing that that came out of uh, Emmanuel's office this week, and, and straight from his, you know, from his mouth was this requirement of um, or his idea for a requirement of an adjustment of the state's gasoline tax. Now, we have a gasoline tax that's for the most part has been pretty manageable. It's changed over time in the years that I've lived in Illinois and gone from a percentage to a, a flat amount. Uh, it is now uh, Manuel's perspective that this gas tax should be raised to 67 cents per gallon. And he did a stand-up earlier this week where he brought in a bunch of suburban mayors to support that cause. I'm not a fan. And um, I find it very, very, very difficult uh, to pallet, frankly. Well, apparently a lot of those suburban mayors aren't fans uh, either. While they were uh, there posing with them in front of cameras and uh, Rom was saying he and they all supported this proposal to raise the tax, we've since heard from some of those suburban mayors not so fast. That's not the case. Yeah, essentially right now, um, Illinoisans uh, on average pay the 10th the highest gas taxes in the nation. If Rahm Emanuel's suggestion of raising that by up to 30, by up to 30 cents more we would be paying the most, the highest gas taxes in the nation at 67.32%. Pennsylvania currently is at the highest at 58.7%. Of course, Illinoisans already paid the highest combined local on taxes in the country. So this would just be another insult on top of that. It was brought up earlier in the campaign um, uh, by J.B. Pritzker that he was willing to look at a road mileage tax. Is this not, in effect, the same deal under a different guise? Yes, it sort of is because the, the folk, the people who are driving the road, the roads are the ones who are going to pay for it. And I'm not 
opposed to user pays tax. But this this would be outrageous. The people who would affect the most are the the ones in rural rural areas downstate who have to drive significantly longer distances to either get to their jobs or to get to you know the, their grocery stores, etc. Uh, it just it makes no sense. It would uh, be just another burden that we're pl- we're putting on Illinois taxpayers. So you know. Transitioning away from that for a moment, I mean, I'm going to leave that subject alone because I, I, I think that there's some distance between that and reality. The people of Michigan voted to legalize marijuana, and uh, Michigan is in the process at this point of, of for sort of flipping the switch and preparing, uh, as uh, nearly a, a dozen other states in the United States have, to be uh, uh, capable of, of selling you know, recreational marijuana in the state. As part of that uh, stand-up that Emmanuel did, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, uh, he talked about legalized recreational marijuana uh, as being a, a way out for Illinois, covering the costs of, of pensions in particular, and also carrying some of the other burdens that are on the state from the standpoint of the way that it spends money. Uh, let's first of all, I'd like to get your opinion on that. I'd like you to offer up some of the sort of the nuggets of the reporting that we've done on that so far. And then let's talk a little bit about what that really looks like in Illinois. I'm just assuming that this is an inevitability that we will have have legal recreational marijuana in a, in a relatively short period of time, maybe even by the end of the calendar year, 2019. Well, let me first say that um, the thought that legal marijuana is going to be um, the savior of, uh, of Illinois fiscal um, problems that no pun intended, but that's a pipe dream. Uh, yes, there will be uh, uh, incremental revenue coming in from legalized recreational marijuana, certainly, uh, but it's not going to solve the pension problem. It's not not going to solve uh, the budget deficits. Uh, there'll be some extra money there, um, but again, it's not going to be enough to solve all these problems. That said. I agree with you. Uh, I think the momentum in states across the country is um, is going to pull Illinois in. I think I think it's eventually going to happen, perhaps as early as 2019. I've had an opportunity in the last uh, couple of weeks, and, and certainly over the course of this past year, to, to travel around the United States. It's something I like to do, and, and just you know go experience other cities and, and sort of take in the culture. And, and in two states where I've been recently, Colorado and Nevada, have had legalized recreational marijuana in place uh, at this point for a few years. I believe this is the fourth or fifth year for the state of Colorado, and I believe Nevada is heading into its second full year. And, you know, while the studies have shown, medical studies have shown that that, that marijuana usage isn't nearly as uh, detrimental as perhaps it once was portrayed to be, that there are impacts and there are consequences of, of legalized recreational marijuana and I mean, it's just as simple as this, you know, uh, on my trip to Colorado, you know, I'm, I get out of the airplane and DIA and make my way, you know, out of the building. I can smell marijuana in the air. Uh, I get to my rental car and uh, my rental car smells like marijuana. Uh, I get to my hotel. I walk through a, a cloud of marijuana smoke because, you know, I mean, it's just pervasive. Um you know, you walk into a convenience store and, and, and get yourself a, you know, a bottle of Diet Coke or whatnot to look at the cashier across from you. And, you know, it's it's like we've walked into high times. I think that with the intention, I think the deep, first of all, decriminalization of marijuana 
I'm an advocate. I think that that's, that's the right thing to do. I think we have far too many people in the country that are incarcerated for nickel and dime type offenses. Uh, and if you're able to decriminalize marijuana, you're going you're gonna to take a lot of people out of the system who maybe never should have been in the system before. But while this might create some cures to financial problems in certain states, it creates social problems. Um, there is just a preponderance of people uh, in both of those places that are hanging around. In the cities around Illinois, we already have a significant homelessness problem. I don't know that marijuana necessarily picks up society from the bottom and makes the state uh, ultimately a better place to live. Uh, time will tell, but you know, for all those people that are just cheering on, you know, the opportunity to walk into a store and uh, to buy legal weed, I think that they need to pause and consider what the ramifications are for this because it certainly doesn't come without a, a, a cost. I don't necessarily disagree with you there, but. Um you know, if you want to smoke marijuana in Illinois, you're going to smoke marijuana, whether it's legal recreationally or not. There are places to go, uh, places to get it. So I, I think I think legalizing it makes makes sense. Um, I share concerns, the societal concerns you you, you vocalize. But again, um, you, if you want to smoke marijuana, you're going to be able to go get it. Yeah, well, fair enough. I'm just saying, and and I think it's it, it's worth noting that uh, it's not a panacea, that there are consequences that come along with it. And, you know, for, for those people who, you know, are, are just, you know, sort of blindly cheering along, um, I think time will tell whether or not this is going to be a good thing for the state of Illinois, uh, whether or not those dollars, if they, you know, if they do figure out a way to tax it and, and to tax it, uh, you know, for the benefit of, of ultimately curing some of the state's financial problems, whether that's worth the trade-off, time will tell. Right, and let me just say, too, I, um, while I, I generally am for less government regulation, I do think when we move towards um, legal recreational marijuana, there has to be smart regulation of it. Obviously, you don't want, um, getting, uh, you want it get to get in the hands of kids. Um, I, I've heard or I've, and I've read from Places such as Colorado, where it's already legal, you know, the, the 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 candy marijuana, the, 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 those kinds of things can be pretty powerful. So there needs to be smart regulations. Uh, we don't need to rush into this, but it's going to happen. It's event, uh, inevitable, and, and and I'm in favor. Well, Dan, I appreciate the time today. Uh, it's always to talk with you, and we are sort of headed, you know, through this holiday season toward Christmas. I, I look forward to getting together with you next week and talking about what should be another. Interesting week here in uh, in Illinois. Lame lame duck governor, lame duck mayor in the city of Chicago. Maybe uh, we'll have a little bit more activity than we thought. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Everyone, thanks so much for joining us. This is Chris Krug, publisher of the Illinois News Network. My guest today, Dan McCaleb, the executive editor of the Illinois News Network. You've been listening to INN's Crosstalk segment. Now back to Greg Bishop. And this has been Illinois in Focus. Find more stories and commentary online at ilnews.org. For Illinois News Network, I'm Greg Bishop.